Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Sisiwa Ratings Radar podcast. As usual, the gang of four is here today. Uh, myself, Richard Lander, Angus Foote, Frank Talbot and Nisha Long. So we're going to have a look at a couple of things this week. Frank is going to take a look at a boutique US manager, uh, which uh, is making waves uh, this month along the ratings. Uh, first of all, we're going to go to Nisha, and she will start by telling us about the alt usage uh, managers on the City of Fund Manager ratings this, this month. So what have you got for us, Nisha? Ah, thanks, Richard. Um, so yeah, looking at alt usage ratings, uh, slightly different from our long-only ratings in that um, the managers... Um, need to beat cash, um, they need to control losses, um, and also they must generate a strong risk-adjusted performance over the past three years. Um, so in March, the best performing funds were mostly alternative usage strategies, but then there was a flip in April where most of these alt usage funds were the worst performing. So I think this just highlights the fact that, you know, we really need to look at consistently um, performing managers in this, because there's, you know, for one month, a manager could have 70% returns and the following month, you know, negative 90 or something. So it's, you know, really important to have consistency um, in this due to the sophisticated um, strategies in this. Um, just to give you an idea. So in March, um, before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, 231 managers were rated in the alt usage ratings. And this fell sharply to 155 in April. So taking the three years with March into account, and that was a you know huge loss, like we see it saw in the long only ratings as well. But the good news is, in May, you know there has been an uptick um, with 174 managers um, rated. Um, but as you can imagine, the hurdles that we've put for these alt uses ratings they are pretty hard. And so the managers who do get a rating and are consistently rating, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. Um, I just wanted to mention one manager in particular um, who has been AAA rated since May 2016. Um, David Tovey of BlackRock. Now he manages the European Opportunities Extension Fund and the European Absolute Return Fund, which is a huge fund. It's at 1.28 billion euros. Um, and at the end of April, he had a net long position in healthcare and IT. As, as we've known and we've discussed, you know, has helped returns over the last couple of months with these, um, having exposures to these sectors. But one of the downfalls that he had, and as many managers have had, um, is having a net long position in industrials, which will, you know, did hurt his performance. But during that time, he did manage to um, reduce his losses, to minimize his max drawdown over the last couple of months in particular. And he's continued to have that AAA rating, you know, during, you know, this um, pandemic. That's great. Uh, and he, it's a long short fund, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, what, what's he gone short on? So in short positions, I haven't got those positions on me at the moment, <laughs> but um, he was um, slightly short on financials as well. So, I mean, that kind of, that worked to his benefit um, as well. But um, he does have short positions in healthcare and IT. So he's taken advantage of both sides of the, um, but I think the long position in this, in those sectors definitely helped him propel his returns. He stands out. Is there yeah. anybody near him? Or? Um, there is one, actually. So um, uh, one of the managers, um, Henri Jontent from a French boutique, um, Cyquant Capital. Now, he's AAA rated and he's held uh, alt usage rating 82 times, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, and also throughout this whole pandemic and through 2020, he's AAA rated. 
Now, his is a slightly different fund. It's event-driven. Um, he manages the Helium Fund and Helium Opportunities Fund. They're quite well known in the French market in particular. Um, they have delivered absolute positive returns and the funds are uncorrelated to the market, which is, you know, as we've seen, you know, correlated assets, for example, bonds and equities, you know, behaving the same in this type of environment. But his funds with alt UCITS, you know, it does provide you with those uncorrelated assets. And in this case, um, he's had low vol, you know, volatility of less than 2%. He's got the risk controls in place, capital preservation. And one thing I want to mention that his, um, the funds are defensive and they're unleveraged. And, you know, on average, their beta is neutral. And I think in this market environment, that's what has helped his fund and all the other alt usage funds who have done well in Excellent. this environment. Angus, you wanted to come in there. Yeah, I did. It's a couple of things Nisha said yeah. triggered some thoughts, actually. Uh, one of the things that keeps coming up in conversations I've been having with fund buyers is how COVID is changing what they're doing or has changed, certainly in the short term, how they operate. Now, I think there's going to be something really interesting could happen here for all uses because the fund buyers are saying Zooms, virtual meetings, great, really good for the, uh, I guess you call peripheral types of meetings, the you know, follow-ups, catch-ups, maybe first intros with new managers, but due diligence, proper due diligence, needs to be face-to-face -face and needs to have site visits. They're all quite adamant about that. So they'll reduce the number of meetings they do face-to-face, -face, but there'll still be a core that have to be face-to-face. -face. Now, it strikes me, all UCITs, you need serious due diligence on some of these strategies. And if you're not able to do that, if you're not able to do your site visits, really get into the guts of what these strategies are doing, you're less likely to invest in them. Yeah. So, so how, that, how that feeds through to the future or, or certainly the, the short-term future, I think would be really interesting. Uh, one other point, there's a couple of discussions I've had recently where people have been talking about alt uses specifically, and there's been this idea put forward by some commentators that maybe alt uses are replacing uh, fixed income in some ways in people's portfolios. Doing, they're being looked to to do what fixed income used to do. But there's another school of thought says, no, that doesn't work because one of the reasons you have fixed income in your portfolio is for stability. And actually, or use it's very much about what does that specific strategy do within your portfolio? Do you want it for downside protection? Do you want it for absolute return? You know, is it a high risk outlier or is it going to give you stability? So what is it actually doing? That's the, that's the key question, I think. Right. Okay. I was very interested by your first point there, Angus, about site visits, because what is it specifically that you cannot do through a medium like Zoom and obviously all the digital data that you can send across in a heartbeat? Now, now that, that intrigues me. Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. And, and I think a lot of this just goes to the fact that you've got people senior people in selection units have been doing that job for a very long time. They, one of the things that you look for in a fund buyer is experience. You want somebody who's been doing it for a long time, knows how managers operate, operate know what questions to ask them. Uh, and I think if that's how you've always worked, that's how you continue to work. Your processes, your thought processes are based around that. That's not going to change overnight. And, and also there's a huge amount of a huge amount of trust being placed in a manager if you allocate them a large pot of assets. I mean, it's career risk, all of those things that go into that. And I think that the level of comfort that you get from actually sitting down opposite a real person 
also seeing the environment they work in what's the actual office building like has it you know we all remember the stories about enron and their hugely expensive foyer with tvs and sculptures and all the rest of it people want to get into that i think fund buyers like to see how the people they're investing with operate yeah, and think, where they operate yeah exactly and just to put um put a different angle on that as well it's a behavioral aspect you, you know face to face you can see in a sense if a manager is not telling the truth you can dig deeper if you're not you know certain about their answers you know i mean you can do that on all on zoom as well but it's just you know their surroundings how they're reacting where are they looking you know the behavioral aspects but one of the points i want to um make as well is like looking at these funds the fact sheets of these funds what the information that's publicly available it's not great you know you can't dig down into some of these positions you have the top 10 you know net long short positions but you know to really know what everything that goes into that portfolio which you do want to know in this case in these sophisticated products you really need to understand and i think the best way to do that is definitely face-to-face -face meetings seeing you know asking everything they can go and get their documents there and then right in front of you you know really have those hard conversations that these kind of strategies need you know, to make sure that you know you are investing for your clients in the right strategy especially with risk controls and you know you don't want to see those massive drawdowns that some of these alt usage funds did see you know over the last two months great frank i'm going to bring you in here i mean you, you know you spend your life crunching numbers and we're talking now about behavior and looking into people's eyes and, and stuff like that do you agree this is still a big part of of fund selection well, yeah, I mean, particularly in, in the all uses space, there's a lot of trust you've got to have because to really understand it, you've got to embed yourself and who has the time to do that. And, but if you are you know, putting a sizable chunk of uh, your client's assets towards a strategy, it helps to have some confidence. But the, there's a reality in that the sophistication of these products is, is so great that uh, you yourself might not understand them. No disservice to the selectors. You, you, there is there is a lot of faith and a lot of that comes from the brand uh, but we've seen implosions in the past in big all use of strategies no names mentioning uh, that, that haven't performed and continue to deliver so yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a big believer that you, you yeah. white to their eyes can i just yeah just to add to that frank i mean i, I do remember talking to head of fund selection at a, a major swiss bank some years ago about a very large well-known absolute return strategy uh, and, and that person said to me, look, you know, I, I'm not going to invest in that because to understand it, I'd have to go in there with a whole team of hedge fund analysts, each of them to analyze a different pot of that multi-strategy portfolio. And, and they just didn't have the time and resource to do that. So I think that really, Frank's point is very well made. Yeah, I mean, and they be, and they, they the asset manager would be reticent to even let you get that level of access. You know, they, they'd worry that that was, you know, that you'd be tapping into their their pool of ideas. Yeah, one of the things that came up when I talked about service with some big fund selectors a couple of weeks ago is they want, particularly in times like this, but this has been a long, a long running trend. They want full disclosure portfolios. They want to know what people are invested, invested in. And, and they also want that stuff much quicker than they ever did in the past. They want a really quick turnaround on full portfolio disclosure. Look, I think, I think you know, we've had a great, uh, a great discussion there. We, you know, we started out crunching numbers and we've ended up with human psychology. So let's get back to some numbers. Uh, and Frank, I want to turn to you because you've been looking at a very interesting American boutique uh, with a couple of funds that are, seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah. So uh, the, the company I want to talk about today is called uh, Artisan Partners. 
Uh, two of their managers have come into the ratings this month uh, on AAA, a US-based boutique. Um, I don't think many people are really aware of them outside of the US, despite the fact you can buy usage versions of a lot of their funds. Uh, I say boutique, they'd identify themselves as a boutique, but uh, they're, they're running 100 billion of assets, but they've got a fairly slim portfolio, 16 products in the US, nine Dublin domiciled usits. They, they sort of remind me of a Jupiter, bit of a mix of homegrown talent uh, and uh, acquired uh, individuals um, that largely operate fairly independently of one another. Um, so they're real sort of talent spotters. Um, their first real success story came with the Artisan International Value Fund run by David Samra. Uh, it's a 12 billion global XUS portfolio. Uh, it's down from a peak of around 17 billion a few years ago when institutional mandates were added in, that figure much close to 40 billion. So in, in equity fund terms, it's a big, big strategy. And um, the performance of it has, 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 has suffered uh, as value has suffered. You know, it's a value bet biased uh, fund. Don't get me wrong, it's not, it's not in the doldrums like, like others are. And it's only really in the past few years that it hasn't fared particularly well, uh, at least relative to how historically well it was doing. Really very, very popular fund. Uh, in the US. Uh, St. James's Place even in, employ their services for uh, a mandate which is based on this. I'm not sure it's quite the same. So they're certainly on some people's radars, but I've slightly digressed because I don't even want to talk about that fund. Uh, I actually want to profile... Let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, sorry, exactly. Uh, I want to profile uh, uh, two managers. The first is uh, Christopher Smith, um, who has come in uh, the first time of asking on a AAA rating for performance of, on his artisan thematic fund. This is a U.S. equity fund, U.S. large cap equity fund, available everywhere in the world. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's notable because it's, it's a U.S. large cap fund that's coming at AAA. That in itself is, is noteworthy. It's very difficult to outperform U.S. equities. We talk about this all the time. Uh, and it's another one of those funds that's taken in money every month this year, about 300 net new cash, uh, 300 million, that is, this year. Okay. Uh, and given the outflows in this sector, um, that's impressive. It, it, it is impressive. Sorry, you're about to get a bit of noise as a tractor goes past my window. Yeah, uh, so that's that's what you get for living in the country. You get everything on the ratings radar podcast. Oh, you do. It's tell nothing. us, tell us about the themes in this fund. Nothing but exciting. Uh, yeah, it's 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 probably not shaped how you would expect. It's extremely high conviction. It's got about 25 positions. Um, it's not how you would expect, and it's not just tech. It's got BlackRock and Fidelity as top 10 positions. Uh, it does have a 6% uh, 6 off benchmark allocation to Tencent. It's not, you know, there is tech in there. And a 3% stake in uh, an ADR on JD.com, the Chinese online re retailer. You're probably mostly aware of Alibaba, but JD is, is big time yeah. as well. Uh, it has got 5% position in NVIDIA, the chip maker, um, which, which, which dominates the sort of PC graphics space. But it's also making big inroads into cars. So as cars become more sophisticated and the electric cars or no, just all cars as, okay. as they get more sophisticated and you'll have like iPads in front of you, they need the more sophisticated, higher graphics processing and NVIDIA right. really are making sort of big, big inroads there. Cool. So it's sort of, yeah. So just on flows, picking up on flows, actually flag up. I'd like to flag up that uh, ratings radar newsletter, which goes out next week. We have got some analysis of, flows that rated managers have seen uh, as opposed to the broader peer group. It's quite interesting to see where the money's gone and who's actually uh, 
carried on taking money in during the, the crisis period. So if you watch out for that. That's coming out next week. Um, excellent, excellent plug for the newsletter there. Uh, so uh, the, the, the other manager I wanted to, to focus on was uh, Rezo Kanovich. Unfortunately, only available in the US, but, but, but carry on listening. He's re-entered uh, the ratings of AAA this month. Uh, he was a big hire for them from Oppenheimer in 2018. He runs a global small and mid-cap portfolio. Again, he's another one of those few funds this year that's taken net positive cash in every month. Uh, including 350 million that came in in April uh, dollars. That is, um, in terms of his positioning, he's big in Japan, around 20% of the fund. He's fortunate enough to be big in healthcare. He's got 31%, and he's got uh, 27% in in tech. He's got an interesting 8% position in Israel. Israel's famed for its innovation, and that's the kind of uh, smaller companies that, that he wants to tap into. Led by a 3% stake in Nice Limited, which is a data security and surveillance company uh, that I wasn't aware of. Uh, and the fund has a whopping uh, 95% active share. Right. Okay. It's been a good month for mid and uh, small caps. Uh, I was just looking the other day for some other another project I was working on. They've actually. I think since the Nadir on March the 21st, they're up about 30%. Uh, I mean, they got really crushed in the, in the, uh, in the downfall, but uh, they're coming up faster than, than the market as a whole. And I think yeah, it's definitely, it's obviously definitely a lot true. of mispricing there and a lot of smart fund managers like, like these guys are, uh, are picking them up. The stop, stop picking in small cap is, is excellent. You know, and there's, again, there's a feature in ratings radar this week on uh, alternatives to Giles Hargreaves on UK small cap. One, one point I would just want to make about um, this individual, Rezo uh, Kanovich, you can't buy him outside the US, but this group is inevitably going to launch a USITS fund for him. And one of the sort of the benefits of citywide data being totally global is that we have that track record before that USITS gets there. Right. Yeah. So I, I fully expect the global launch to come soon and uh, definitely want to keep an eye on if you are outside the US. Excellent. Uh, look, I think on that, we're going to uh, wrap up for today. Uh, as, uh, as a couple of you have hinted already, the new Ratings Radar newsletter will be out any second now and will be landing it in your inbox very soon. If you haven't got it, uh, send us an email to ratingsradar at cityr.co.uk. Uh, we're going to take a break next week because a couple of us are on holiday whatever that means under the current circumstances. I think it means going from the kitchen to the living room or vice versa. Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks with another edition. So from myself, Angus, Nisha and Frank, goodbye. Thank you for listening and see you soon. 